So uh, Angie shared uh, this morning that this is what is called Pentecost. And Penta, as you know, comes from um, kind of multiples of five. How many days are in the season of Easter? We've been saying this for the last six weeks. 50. So the 50th day of Easter is Pentecost. Bam, when you're at work tomorrow, tell people, let me share a little theology with you about the season of Easter. And that the 50th day, Pentecost, this is the 50th day of Easter. So today closes this season that we have been journeying, talking about the resurrection power of, of Christ, how Christ overcame the grave. And then Pentecost is what we understand as the birthday of the church when Jesus promises his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and that they are going to have Christ-like ability in this world. So last Sunday, we talked about the ascension of Jesus, that when Jesus was raised up to the heavenly realm, that he said in Luke chapter 12, uh, chapter 24, that you, my disciples, will be clothed with power from on high. And this morning, um, which is traditional on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to read a small portion of the passage we read last week from Acts chapter 1 to remind us again this promise that Jesus has made to his disciples. And then I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, which actually highlights the day of Pentecost when this manifestation of the Spirit um, dwelt among those who were disciples, the followers of of Jesus. But before I read the scripture, I feel like I need to demystify the Holy Spirit. Because we oftentimes talk about the Holy Spirit like it's some wiggly, 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 like, you know, Casper the ghost. And the Spirit, um, how we understand it in the Christian tradition, is the third person of the Trinity. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not um, an it, uh, but, but a person, a, a who. And so we do not talk about the spirit as though it is um, like an inanimate object, but like a person who actually has power. In the way that the, we understand the father to have some distinctives, the son to have some distinctives, the spirit also has a distinctives. So this, this Trinitarian God, three in one, God who is one, but who has um, distinct ways of operating uh, within our lives. The Holy Spirit is known to comfort, to convict, the Holy Spirit is known as um, a, a guide or to offer up us wisdom. The Holy Spirit in the Greek is known as the parakletos, the one who comes alongside us. If you ever think about the image of a tugboat pulling a, um, a, a large like uh, wharf, that's like the parakletos, like a, the tugboat. The, the Spirit is like the tugboat who comes alongside us. Now, oftentimes within our church lives, when we think about spirit or being spirit-filled, we only contain it or talk about it in regards to like worship, like, oh, that person is so spirit-filled, or quote-unquote, if someone has the gifts of speaking in tongues, then we're like, oh, they've got the manifestation of the spirit. But I want you to understand the spirit in a more expansive way. When you get that quote-unquote nudge or hunch to text somebody in the middle of the day that you have not thought of for the last three years, that's not the hunch or a nudge. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, the comforter who's like, maybe there is something that I need to be doing. And when that person is like, you would never know. I'm at the DMV right now, about to lose my mind. And that text message came right on time. <laughs> Not coincidental by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I have been in difficult pastoral situations and I've literally sat in my car thinking, what am I gonna say, what am I gonna say, what am I gonna say? And then I walk into the hospital room and all of a sudden it's as though my mouth is opened up and God speaks for me that the spirit becomes like the holy translator in my life. We all um, have had moments when we have probably been very much in the presence 
of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit working in and through us, and we have just named it as a hunch, coincidence, something that was serendipitous. The reason why I want to demystify the Holy Spirit is because if um, you think of the Spirit as some like weirdness, then you may never capitalize on the power of the Spirit at work in your life. You will always think of the Spirit as some like add-on to the end of our prayers, as opposed to an indwelling made known and manifest in your life and also in the world. Which is why we started off our worship service with the passage from Joel. It says, and in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you say that with me. Uh, and then in these days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not just some, but all flesh. So hear now these words from Acts chapter one, verses six through eight as Jesus talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then um, Acts chapter 2 as we talk about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon um, men and women who were gathered in an upper room who were waiting for this gift. And this is what the scripture says. So when they had come together, the disciples, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you were restored the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after um, this happens, Jesus then ascends to the heavenly realm, and the disciples, both men and women, gather in an upper room, and they wait and they pray, and it says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Equal opportunity giver. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is very democratic, does not pick or choose. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us not just think of these words as words that belong to, to me, but let us think of these words as words gifted from you. God, may these words not only touch our ears, but also the ears of our hearts, that they might land gently, so that we might live out these words beautifully with our lives. O oh God, clothe us with power from on high, so that by the power of your word and Holy Spirit, we might know that we are powerful. This we pray in your strong name. And all God's people said, Amen. So I decided that I was going to wear kind of my throwback um, DeMarcus Ware uh, t-shirt, which is really funny because when Todd saw me this morning, he was like, 94. And I was like, oh, you like DeMarcus Ware? He was like, no, I was born in 94. I'm like, no, that is not why I wore this t-shirt. This is not a marketing ploy for Todd Fitzgerald Campbell Jr. It's all about Todd. 
DeMarcus Ware, Dallas Cowboys, holy. Um, but one thing that I love about um, players in the NFL is that whenever they do something grand or great, they will do this gesture. You know, they point to the heavens. And I, I wonder what it would look like if in, in our lives, like in our everyday, ordinary, waking, sleeping lives, whenever something grand happened to us, we would do. Like, you know, you actually get your child to eat vegetables, like, yeah. You know, you broker a conversation without totally popping off. Yeah, you know, um, you, you have a courageous conversation, like, yeah. Um, I love that, that action of many players in, um, in college and also professional sports because they are saying that somehow it's not by their own might, but by a power on high that they were able to do whatever it is, sack someone, DeMarcus Ware. Um, so what if we also acknowledged that maybe power from on high was what gave us the ability to do the things that we might say need to be laced with power in order for us to do them well. Among all faith traditions, there is something about the heavenly realm or, uh, or pointing to the sky where we understand like power to somehow um, occupy the heavens. No one ever says, yeah, I mean, no one ever points to the ground said no one ever, you know? Um, we always point to the heavenly realm. And here it is in Luke chapter 24, which um, is a passage of scripture that we have read before here at our Southeast Raleigh table. Jesus tells his disciples that you are going to be clothed with power from on high. There's this, this idea that something in the heavenly realm or, or, or that um, encapsulates the, the grandeur of God is going to come down and be near to your existence. And in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus kind of continues on before he ascends to the heavens, he tells them that this promised Holy Spirit or this promised power is going to be um, gifted to you. And this is the thing about this promised Holy Spirit is that it is framed as a gift. Jesus does not say to the disciples, because you have been so faithful, now I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. Because you have shown me to be, um, uh, to, to be approved, I'm going to uh, uh, and, uh, empower you with uh, this, uh, this spirit from on high. Uh, because you have stuck with me over the past three years of my earthly ministry, you are going to, um, you're going to receive this. There is no such thing as like earning the gift. It's like, Jesus is like, no, you know, by default, because you're going to be out in this world as my kind of ambassadors, as my little Christs who are making things happen, you are going to be gifted. You don't have to ask for it. You may not even want it. But you're going to be gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, Jesus frames this gift of the Holy Spirit to allow the disciples then to be Jesus' witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the farthest ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus uses that term witnesses, witnesses has a double connotation. Witnesses meaning like you're an eyewitness, like you have seen the power that has flown from my life. You know what I am capable of, which means that if you know what I'm capable of, if I say that I'm going to give you the same thing, then you know then what you might be capable of. The second connotation of witness, which means you actually are going to bear witness to the ways in which I heal. You're going to bear witness to the ways in which I show up. You're going to bear witness to the ways in which I offer grace. You're going to bear witness in the ways in which I proclaim the good news of restoration and redemption. You are going to be my witnesses because of this power that's going to clothe you from on high. You know, Jesus' gifts always come with some consequence. Jesus' gifts always come with some output. Even if it's just for our lives to be the template for God's glory, 
There is no way in which Jesus gifts us and there's not some result, some beautiful um, outpouring or overflow of this particular gift. And the disciples would have understood this. That if Jesus says you're going to be clothed with power from on high, it wasn't just for them to like be filled with the Holy Spirit and just to be like, oh, the Spirit feels so nice. Because the disciples had seen um, what it is and how it is that the Spirit was at work also in Jesus' life. Whenever Jesus was clothed with power from on high, filled with the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, um, there's this a small little a portion of scripture where Jesus goes into um, the synagogue. He goes into the temple. And when he goes into the temple, after having had a little season in the wilderness, it says that Jesus opens up the scroll. And Jesus begins to read from the scroll. And when Jesus reads from the scroll, he reads from a particular portion of scripture that comes from the prophet Isaiah that says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, and to announce the time had come when I will save my people. And basically what Jesus is saying, boop, 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 it has now been fulfilled in your seeing. It's like Jesus is commissioning The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And now I'm going to do these things. So when Jesus tells the disciples, you are going to be clothed with power from on high, it's not for them to feel all good or to hoard the power. It's for them to know that power is going to be unleashed and released in their lives. We say this over and over again at the Southeast Raleigh table. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus is not a suggestion maker. Jesus is a promise keeper. So in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, not if the day of Pentecost had come, when we hope Pentecost will come, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one room, watching and waiting, believing and hoping, knowing that Jesus is a good promise keeper. And it says that, um, that the Spirit comes down upon them like, like tongues of fire. And everyone in the room equal opportunity giver. Everyone in the room, even Peter, who denies Jesus three times, everyone in the room, those who are named in scripture and those who are unnamed in scripture, everyone who is in the room is filled. And there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they begin to speak in divided tongues, but outside of the doors of that gathered room, it says that everyone could understand what was being said. Already they were ministering by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we heard this morning that passage from Joel, that after these days, it will be that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All of a sudden, in the midst of this Pentecost movement, when the spirit comes down upon all of these people, later on in Acts chapter two, it says that Peter stands up and Peter starts to preach and proclaim from Joel. He says to that gathered group of people who are like, what is going on with us right now? In these days, I will pour out my my spirit upon all flesh. And those who are young, outpouring. And those who are old, outpouring. And you will see visions, outpouring. And you will prophesy, outpouring. That everyone is going to get to be the template and a conduit, 
and a vessel for the power of God made real in our lives through the person of the Spirit. You know, we're not sneaky, but we do something a lot in church and specifically here at Southeast. We are forever calling down the Holy Spirit upon you. We're forever calling down the Holy Spirit. Maybe you aren't listening, but that's okay. We're forever calling. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. When we baptize children, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this gift of water and the one who will receive it to wash away their sins, to clothe them in righteousness, that they may live out all of their days as one who is a faithful disciple. After Matthew Hunt, who was the last adult to be baptized in this place, when he kneeled down and when he stood back up, we said, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Friends, when we call down the Spirit, it's not for, mm, we call down the Spirit so that something might be made known in your life. And the thing that is made known in our lives is not just a dud kind of thing. It's always a thing that comes with power that makes Christ known. Jesus does not clothe us so that we look like we're in some other camp. Jesus clothes us so that we look like we're in Jesus' camp, the one who overcomes the grave, the one who um, welcomes everyone at the table, the one who is able to heal and to restore and to redeem. We are clothed with those clothes. And the power of the Spirit at work in us is for us to see that powerful things happen through us. Friends, there is always a consequence to us being clothed with power. To proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to change the narrative of affordable housing in Raleigh, to make sure we live in a more just place, to dismantle systems of racism, oppression, patriarchy, and supremacy, to make sure that no child goes to bed hungry, that no parent has to negotiate in order to keep their child safe, that people aren't trafficked across borders, that kids aren't disconnected from their families at borders. There is always a result with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is always a consequence whenever we are clothed with the Holy Spirit. When we're clothed with the Holy Spirit, it is not so that we are like, mm, it's so that we can actually see the kingdom of heaven draw near to the kingdom of earth and for everything to be turned around because God, through the person of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit says, you, you, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. So this is the thing about, um, about Pentecost Sunday. In some churches, it's the one Sunday that people show up wearing red and people think we've done it. It's the one Sunday where you sing two more songs and give three more shout outs to the Holy Spirit. It's the Sunday when we feel a little bit courageous about maybe having some red ribbons. And it's as though we were memorializing This moment together, 
versus knowing that Pentecost is a reminder that we are mobilizers together. The birthday of the church didn't start with cake. The birthday of the church started with power. <laughs> Friends, Pentecost is to remind us that when we step out into the world, we are not defeated, we are not hopeless, we're not hapless, we don't have to wring our hands, we shouldn't be worried or anxious, we step out with power. Pow Friends, all of us step out with power. So on the day of Pentecost, we are supposed to shift the questions that we ask. We don't ask the questions, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Friends, the question we need to ask ourselves on the day of Pentecost is what can't we do? What can't we do? What can't we do? You believe on the first Sunday of Easter that Christ overcame the grave, that Christ turned everything around. For 50 days, we are reminded of the ways in which Christ was at work in this world, turning something around. And on the 50th day, we are reminded that we operate, step in, dressed in power. 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 We don't speak about resurrection Resurrection lives in us. And if resurrection lives in us, resurrection can flow through us. And I've asked all of these people if I could share. David Smoot, about eight years ago, we had a kind of a crisis of faith on our original campus in regards to some of our homeless neighbors who used to sleep on the front steps. And I know he was heartbroken but there's power that he could be at the ribbon cutting for a day facility for our neighbors who are homeless. My sister, Margaret Brunson, resigned from her job this past week, or two weeks ago. I'm gonna say she got called out. You know why she left a job? Because she was called into a vocation, power. When you no longer worry about how you're gonna make it because you know that God is provision, and that when God clothes you, God clothes you beautifully, power. I look at Vaughn Paddock, who is seasoned of years, where anyone could say to him, you are at the age where you just need to rest and do no more. How every single Wednesday he would drive to Bug Elementary School all the way from Wakefield so that he could sit and with his powerful hands trace words so a child might be able to read on grade level. That's that Abraham-Sarah power, that in your old age, things can be brought forth. We're not going to have cake today. We're not going to have cake today. We're not going to have cake today. The world doesn't need cake. The world needs you. And the world needs you to actually believe that you have a power that is at work in you that is greater than the power that is in the world. We are not memorializers. We are mobilizers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may you know that it is so. Amen.
as we go to God in prayer and as our worship team um, comes back up. I want to offer um, words from Brene Brown, who's a great um, sociologist and just does great research. She says this, that every morning she says to her, herself, Brene, choose courage over comfort. Here's my prayer for us. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. That every day when you are putting on your clothes, that you will say, Lord, I will choose spirit power over self-power. That, Lord, I will let you be the master tailor to clothe me. That I will know that you are not a suggestion maker, but you are a promise keeper. And if you say all, you mean all. So God, we empty ourselves of anything that can only get us so far. So that we might be filled with the power that is from age to age the same, from generations to generations everlasting. Power that is wrapped up in an alpha and omega one who is the beginning and the end. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here that we might be transformed from memorializers to mobilizers in the power of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. May it be so. Amen.